rookie FBI agent. Found a girl's body down in West Virginia. Are you saying that he's killed again? I'll help you catch him, Clarice. A psychiatrist turned psychopath. Yes, and now Clarice, poor little captain, is waiting. Opposites with one attraction. Tell me his name, doctor. Now. Lecter's missing hand arm. Ah! Her life hangs in the balance. Man's a raving maniac. Who knows what he'll do? The Silence of the Lambs. Rated R. On this episode of the Couch Potato Podcast, we're going to bring to you the 1991 classic Silence of the Lambs with a very special guest. But first, the guitar riff. We're back with another episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. And joining Lucas and I today is the first lady of the Couch Potato Podcast, Jen. Welcome back. Well, hello, hello. It's good to be back. Uh, Did you know that you were actually our uh, most listened to uh, episode with a guest? I thought that was Luke Frost. Nope, you are uh, the championship belt holder right now. Well, I feel pretty fucking special. You should. <laughs> are we going to get her a belt? Uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> wait till we get it like, to a certain threshold. I would actually would probably want one for myself, too, so... Well, I just meant like the fifteen dollar one. Oh like yeah, we'll, we'll totally get you get one of those. We'll just make you the WWE Cruiserweight Champion. There we go. Sounds like a plan. I don't know if they have that belt anymore. <laughs> All right. Well, as we told you on our last episode, for the twenty people that have listened to it, uh, this week we're doing Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Lucas, how do you feel about this? Great movie. Although I would, I was gonna ask you about this. I, uh, as I was watching this, I felt like it was filmed kind of weird. So everything, like you know, most times when people are talking, it's a view where you can see both people. It was like the camera was almost in their face the whole time. I felt that was like a, a little strange. Yeah, it's a, it's a, the way they shot it. They kind of wanted to make it seem like they were looking at each other face to face, like almost like you were. Clarice when she's talking to Hannibal and like Hannibal when she, he's talking to Clarice. That was the effect they were going for. Yeah, it was it was interesting. It was different. I kind of liked it. Yeah, I, I personally haven't seen that before in anything, so I thought that was kind of cool too. I don't think they've really, you don't see that very often at all now. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, I don't remember a movie film like that. Right. Okay, for those of you that have not seen this movie, uh, I'll run down the uh, plot real quick. A young FBI trainee seeks the help of a brilliant yet violent psychopath to help capture a serial killer who skins his victims. Yeah, cool stuff. Um, So, uh, for both of you, I always like to ask, uh, when was the first time you seen this movie? Uh, Jen, you can go ahead and go first. I know that I didn't see it in movie theaters because I was, I believe, 12 when it came out. And there's no way that my mother would take me to see that. Come on, Bev. I think it was a video store rental. For those of you who are too young to remember that, you used to be able to go into a store and rent VHS or DVDs and take them home and watch them for the weekend. So I think I uh, took a visit to my local... (laughs) Right, what's a VHS? A gigantic tape that plays movies. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) I think I went to uh, the West Coast video down the road and likely rented it for the weekend. So that's how I think I saw it. 
Lucas, what about you? Uh, I saw this probably 10, 15 years ago for the first time. I mean, really? I, I may have seen it as a kid because we used to steal HBO. So I'm sure that my parents watched it and I probably snuck and watched it too. But when I remember it, it was about 10, 15 years ago. Um, as many of the movies that we do on here, uh, this was a uh, Showtime classic for me. This is one that I caught on Showtime back in like 92. And so I, maybe it wasn't HBO. Well, I mean, it probably showed up on HBO at some point, but I remember uh, not being able to sleep well due to a couple scenes after this came out. I'm not as tough as my wife. Oh, I slept like a baby after seeing it. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> Don't you listen to all those podcasts and uh, you know where they're murdering everybody? Oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, true crime and serial killers and all those kinds of things. Yep. And you watch all those uh, shows on uh, Discovery ID, like uh, that motherfucker cheated on me, so I'm going to put antifreeze in his oatmeal for three months and watch him slowly die. <laughs> or, oh, that motherfucker didn't cheat on me. This is the end, and like you somehow like stab him and his lover. Yeah, one of the most popular titles, I think, on there that sticks out to me is uh, Wives with Knives. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Coming soon. Oh, hell no. I know he didn't do that. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. (laughs) Yeah, I'm. uh, If I come up missing, just listen to this show. You would be the immediate suspect. You're you're not going to come up missing. I need help taking care of these two yahoos that we have. All right. Well, after they've graduated, (laughs) and I come up missing, just I mean references back in the archives. Maybe you never know. They're never going to find you. (laughs) Right. She's watched too many of the shows. Right. Yeah, I would be gone, vanished. Um. I did uh, text you guys a couple days ago and had a couple of questions for you. I'm going to pop uh, at you now. Um, do you consider this a thriller or a horror movie? Lucas, I'll let you uh, lead this one off. Uh, to me, it's a psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of jump scares, which is, you know, for me, like a staple of, of horror movies. Um, I know, like, Halloween doesn't have a whole lot of the jump scares, and it's kind of like a psychological thriller in the same type of way. But it just it doesn't feel like a horror movie to me. It's more like a, a mental exercise. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jen? So I would agree with our friend Lucas here. I think it's also a psychological thriller because it, it's what I like to call a mindfuck movie. I think the movies <laughs> that <in> have <laughs> I think the movies that have always scared me the most are those that not like Halloween, a guy running around with a mask and a knife trying to kill people or a babysitter or whatnot. I think the scariest ones are the ones that you can actually imagine or foresee happening in real life. And I really feel like Silence of the Lambs is one of those. It's not like, you know, a a Freddy Krueger with a messed up face or a ghost hunting someone. This is actually something that could potentially happen in real life. And I think those are the scariest movies of all, at least in my opinion. So, Yeah, that's kind of where I was going to go, too. Uh, You guys both touched on, like, kind of how I was going to sum this up too. It just, yeah, like with it being like real people, like a real person. And uh, I know for me, like typically like horror movies, like you said, Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street, like, okay, I I get it. He's, he's pissed off or he's trying to kill people. But like the scene, like as an example, like when Hannibal's beating the shit out of the two cops in that cage, that fucking stuck with me for like three days. 
just how calm he is when he's doing that. And like, I don't know, like me, when they leave like a lasting impression on you, that's kind of, I would say more of a thriller, a psychological, or a mind fuck movie, as you said. And then he I fucking agree. cut the guy's face off and pretended to be him. So yeah. he could go into the ambulance like, God damn, that's hardcore. Yeah, I've, uh, I actually, after I watched this movie, uh, we watched it last night. I thought about using that as an excuse not to come to work the next day. Like, yeah, I just got my face eaten off. I won't be there today. <laughs> somebody escaped with my face. And yeah, somebody's ambulance. got my face on. Don't let them clock in. I mean, that's right up there along with your um, My House is Haunted. I need uh, an exorcism or, you know, things like that. So I, I could see that excuse working. My go-to right now is a deer ran through our living room window. <laughs> Now, have you used that? Because if you haven't, that's very disappointing. You need to. You know what? I just may. I think I'm going to write a book, just like work excuses. Oh, we've already discussed that previously. I think it'd be a bestseller. All right. Well, this might be the last episode. I'm going to be an author now. Yay. Yeah. Woo. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, another question I asked you guys. Um, Hannibal Lecter, I think, is one of the most iconic movie villains of all time. Doesn't matter horror, sci-fi, action, whatever. I think he's probably in the top five. I don't know uh, where do you guys stand with uh, with Hannibal Lecter as a villain. Lucas, uh, he's definitely one of the top villains for sure. I'm a big uh, uh, Hans Gruber fan. Mm-hmm. Um, although you know, you kind of look at that and you're like, is he really a villain? Well, that's kind of the, what I struggle with with uh, Hannibal Lecter, too. I mean, he's a psychopath, and he's murdered how many, who knows how many people. But yet, like, at the end, and I'm not going to spoil anything. This movie is 30 years old. If you haven't seen this yet, then I, I don't care if I'm spoiling it for you. But you kind of are excited at the fact that, like, he knows where Chilton is at, and he's going to kill him. And, right. like, to me, I was like, yeah, fucking get him. <laughs> And I mean, like, face. Yeah. And uh, I mean, for me, like Hannibal, I think in terms of the iconic movie villains of all time, I think Darth Vader's number one. Hmm. And I would put Good Hannibal ball. Lecter at number two. What about you, Jen? So when I normally think of movie villains, in all honesty, I don't generally think of thrillers or horror movies in general as a movie where there's there are villains. There's just like the the killer or the serial killer or the hunter, however you want to put that. And then there's the victims. So for me, it's kind of hard because this is kind of like my, my wheelhouse of our, our favorite genre of one of my favorite genres of movies. It's hard for me to look at Hannibal Lecter as a villain. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but when I think of a movie villain, I think of like, you know, like the Joker and Batman or like comic you know, movies based on comic books or things of that nature, movies based on graphic novels, et cetera. Um, but I would say if we're talking about him being a villain, you know, kind of changing my mindset and how I would normally think of what a villain is to me, he would definitely be right up there. I mean, he's definitely not a good guy. I mean, he's he killed multiple people and ate them and things of that nature. So you can't say, you know, he's the great neighbor next door or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, he would, he would definitely be up there with the bad guys for sure. Yeah. So, but 
it almost seemed like in the movie he was killing people that were troubled or could have been killers themselves. At least that's kind of what I interpreted from it. Yeah, I mean, he basically talked Migs into killing himself because he threw fucking jizz all over Clarice. <laughs> right, and I mean, if if we're going to say, you know, that he generally kills those who are troubled and or may kill other people, I mean, it's kind of like it puts him along with, like, Dexter, the, the show Dexter. So do we say that Dexter, Dexter is a villain even though he's a serial killer because he only kills bad guys? So it, it kind of, like, it almost crosses, I guess, maybe both lines. Is he, is he a saint or is he a sinner type of thing? You know, it, it's, it's really hard to, to say if, if what he's doing is he's just killing bad guys. But then on the same line, it's not okay to kill people and eat them either. So, <laughs> Well, Dexter's a good guy until after season four. That's because uh, he let that show go on too long. Uh, but oh. I, I actually like season five. Okay, fair after enough. After that, I hated it. But uh, didn't he kill? Didn't he kill Dokes? I don't know. We're not going to spoil like we, I've already spoiled the ending of Silence of the Lambs. We're not going to spoil Dexter for people too. I mean, we're still in a pandemic. I get people shit to watch. All right. That's true. Fair. All right. All right. So we both are, we're all in agreement. Top five movie villain for sure. Even though Jen looks at it, looks at him as the hero. I never said that I look at him as a hero. I just said that when I generally think of movie villains, it's it's in like a comic aspect or a graphic novel type aspect is when I think of villains. But yes, he would definitely be in the top. Well, five. when you watched this last agree. night, you said, and I quote, boy, I'd like to be friends with that guy. Yeah, I totally said that. You can eat me anytime. <laughs> oh, now let's cut that out. I don't know about all that now. <laughs> all right. Well, now that Lucas uh, dropped that on us, uh, you want to go to the tail of the tape? Sure. Let's oh, do, do it. it. All right. This movie was released on Valentine's Day in 1991. Uh, just uh, recently had its 30th anniversary. Uh, you know, we've done a few anniversary episodes, and, uh, you know, the sending the edible arrangements hasn't worked out for us yet. I haven't heard back from anybody, at least a thank you or anything. It's a damn shame. It's d- very disheartening. Um, movie stars Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins, Scott Glenn, and Ted Levine. Uh, directed by Jonathan Demme, who also probably most people are going to know him as the director of Philadelphia. Which, a uh, little fun fact for you. He won the best director for this, and then he won it two years later for Philadelphia, too. Very nice. No, come on, dude. I don't want to be sad tonight. I don't want to cry myself to sleep. Um, Box office uh, worldwide did $272 million on a $19 million budget. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score is 96% from critics and 95% from audiences. Uh, This movie... uh, Won five Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best Screenplay. And it was selected for preservation by the National Film Registry in 2011. Well, I don't know, like, how would you feel if, I don't even know how I would feel if they were like, yeah, we want to keep your podcast forever in the archives. Like, that's that's such a big-ass honor. Mm -hmm. I I can't even fathom that. Yeah, well, we don't have to worry about that. No, no, no. We're going to get a ceased and desist letter from Spotify at some point. Like, you guys really, this is fucking bad. Let's just cut it out. I guess I do have a question. What does it mean to have a movie selected for preservation? I'm not even familiar with that terminology. Well, basically, it's just uh, they select movies. Uh, it's basically movies that are timeless. Like Okay. 
All right, well, as an example, one of my favorite bad movies is Stone Cold with Brian Bosworth. Okay. If the film, the negatives go to shit on that, so be it. That's what happens. But this one's always going to be like, it's kind of like when you uh, preserve a house, like if a house has historical value. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, okay. they do that with like iconic classic movies. I see. Gotcha. Mm. Okay. I, I think they have it in like a place too. Like I think the archives, if it catches on fire, they have like a system to like suck all the oxygen out mm. <laughs> to yeah. preserve them. Like, you know, anybody that's in there is pretty fucked, but you know, they'll save the films. So they've got it stored in like 35 millimeter I think they have it to somewhere. where, like, yeah, like, okay. th- it'll always, there's always a place that they can always get it. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. If I'm wrong, gotcha. please let me know. But that's what the impression I've got under this. Gotcha. All right. Uh, well, uh, speaking of uh, winning all these Oscars, that takes us into our first category. Jen, are you familiar with our categories since we've done the I new format? I am familiar with most of them, yes. Okay, cool. Because I know you don't listen to us, but... I actually do listen to you. Uh, Holy shit. You sit on a (laughs) throne of lies. (laughs) All right. Well, we uh, do a thing. uh, You've seen Seven, right? Yes. Which is a... If you really want to fuck yourself up... Good movie. Seven and Silence of the Lambs is like a let's fuck up my psyche double feature. That'll do it. And then you can follow that up with... Oh, crap. What's that movie? Requiem for a Dream. There's another one for I'll you. I'll never watch that movie again. Me either. That movie makes <laughs> me sad. Yeah. But it's if you want to get get your mind fucked up, it's another good one. All right. Well, the research corner is called William Somerset Research Corner, which uh, we've named this after Morgan Freeman's character in Seven. You know, the scene where he's researching the Seven Deadly Sins. The Seven sins. Deadly Sins, yeah. He's in the library. Yep. There's the classical music playing. The guards playing poker. Right. Find him. Yeah, that's, that's the research we do in this. It's gotcha. exactly like that. I mean, that, I haven't seen that, but alrighty, I'm I'm getting the middle image going. I actually haven't worked for six months. When I go, I leave each morning. I just go to a library and research for oh, our podcast. Okay. Well, you're paying the bills, so that's all that matters. Well, let's not ask where I, I get my money from. Okay, I will. Um, this is actually one of only three movies, and it's the last movie to ever sweep the major Oscar categories, which is like Best Picture, Director, Actor, and Actress. Very interesting. Um, Gene Hackman, who uh, many of you know, the iconic actor of the 70s, 80s, and 90s, uh, he actually bought the rights to this movie and uh, was either going to play Hannibal Lecter or Jack Crawford and direct it. But he decided not to after uh, his daughter talked him out of it, uh, saying that like he needs to quit making like violent roles because he had just come off of Mississippi Burning. Which is about the civil rights right, right. Uh, movement of the '60s down to Mississippi. So yeah, he was his daughter talked him out of not doing that. I'm I mean, I can did. see why. And then, this was kind of an interesting fact. Uh, Sean Connery was offered the role of Hannibal Lecter, but he turned it down due to it being so violent. Hmm. And for, then for James Bond to not uh, be okay with violence is kind of funny. Well, I mean, the violence in a James Bond movie versus somebody who eats people's faces is completely different. Right, right. Um, Jeremy Irons, John Lithgow, Robert Duvall, Robert De Niro, Lou Gossett Jr., Jack Nicholson, 
Patrick Stewart and Dustin Hoffman were all considered for Hannibal Lecter. And uh, Jeremy Irons even said in an interview with the Daily Telegraph that he was actually offered the role, but he didn't want to play another evil character. Uh, he had actually won Best Actor the year before for Reversal of Fortune, where he plays a guy that tries to kill his wife. Um, I could see John Lithgow doing this. Really? After seeing it, watching it again last night, I can't see any of those guys as Hannibal. Well, I, I mean, he did, obviously, a phenomenal job. But if, it, if they were to put somebody else in that, after seeing him in Dexter as, like, almost the same type of role, I could see him doing it. I could maybe see Lithgow pulling that off. Um, but, yeah, like, I know for a fact that, like, most of those other guys, there's no way. Yeah. See, I could see Jack Nicholson doing it. See, the problem with Jack and Nicholson, though, is, like, I love him as an actor, but he always seems to be Jack Nicholson as a in that role. Like, mm. uh, we'll save this for uh, another episode, but, like, he plays an iconic movie villain himself, and I only see him as if Jack Nicholson becomes that villain, that's how I see him, and it just doesn't work for me quite as well as somebody else playing it. Mm. Okay. I, I see where you're going with that. Uh, director Jonathan Demme actually wanted Michelle Pfeiffer for Clarice. Uh, she considered it, but turned it down due to the content and Orion Pictures not wanting to pay her asking price of $2 million. And Meg Ryan also shot it down, too. Man, like, a lot of people turn this down because of the content, which 2021, it, I mean, it's still a pretty fucked up movie, but the violence in this is a, a little on the milder side. Yeah, I mean, in in 91, they were still, like, when it around the time that Mortal Kombat was getting, like, an M rating, they were fighting about that in Congress and all that stuff. Yeah, Mortal Kombat was, like, what, so. 91, 92? Yeah, so, I mean, they were a little more sensitive to violence then. Yeah. Of course, uh, all this fucked up shit keeps happening in our time, so it's we're almost numb to it. Yeah. Um, did you know that this is the second film at the time to feature the character of Hannibal Lecter. Do either one of you know what the first movie was? I know you can because you're looking at my notes, but... I I'm actually... I'm not looking at your notes. I'm trying to remember... I, You said it happened prior to the fact? Yeah, this was the second film appearance of Hannibal Lecter. I don't know. Um, I, I honestly don't... I remember reading about it, but I don't remember... Uh, it is it uh, Manhunter... Manhunt. I've never seen that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really good. It's uh, based on the uh, Red Dragon storyline. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Um, but yeah, Brian Cox, uh, who has been like, he's one of those guys that like, you may not know the name, but you know the guy. He was the, uh, the, the chief in uh, stu uh, Super Troopers. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. He's also the guy in the McDonald's commercials now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of who... That is, I don't, I don't know. I'll have to Google that well, yeah, later. Yeah, you'll, you'll <laughs> have to. He's got that face. Like, you've seen him in a million things. Probably so. Um, Michael Mann, uh, the guy that directed Heat, The Insider, Ali, Collateral, he directed that. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Goodbye Horses was not the original song that uh, Buffalo Bill was going to dance to. It was actually Her Strut by Bob Seger. I don't even know that song, to be honest with you. Uh... You know what? I wish I had queued it up on the. I'll send you the link later, but Goodbye Horses works a lot better. Okay, I, I believe you. <laughs> now, Lucas, I'm going to ask you this question because I can 
I can maybe see you doing this. Uh, you ever been in like at a restaurant and somebody plays goodbye horses? Have you ever like thought about ripping your shirt off and rubbing your nipples? Uh, obviously. Well, I do it all the time to whatever music's on. Okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> oh yeah, let's go. Let's go to Fazoli's. <laughs> I, I really like to rub my nipples here. I'd fuck me. I mean, considering where we live, I wouldn't be surprised if I actually walked into a restaurant and saw someone doing that. I, I mean, I, it wouldn't even be shocking. No, I I would see that more so happening at maybe like Walmart, but a restaurant, it, it wouldn't surprise me or hell even out on the street. I mean, why not? You know, those uh, jukeboxes that they have where you can just like download the app and put money into it and like play songs. Yeah. I think at some point, like once stuff starts to get back to normal, that we put some money into one of those and we play that and just see if somebody thinks about doing it. <laughs> I guarantee you one person will at least think about doing that. Oh, while they're yelling, I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me. It's like, hey, man, I just, all I want is my cheese sticks, okay? <laughs> Do whatever you want on your free time. I just want my cheese sticks, dude. <laughs> Um, Here's your tree sticks. I'd fuck me. <laughs> uh, Jame Gum is based on a combination of a few serial killers. Uh, Jen, you have to clue me in on the two of these guys. But uh, it's Ed, is it Gein or Gein? It's Ed Gein. Ed Gein. Mm-hmm. Ted Bundy, Gary Heidnick, and Edmund Kemper. Now, I have heard of the first two, but who's Gary Heidnick and Edmund I actually had to Google Gary Heidnick. I'm not super familiar with him. Um, I just listened to a podcast, actually a series about Edmund Kemper. Uh, I think he was, no, he's American. My bad. I have to refresh my memory about him. Now I'm thinking that one of these guys probably had like a basement with like a pit inside of it. I don't. I don't think he was okay. So Edmund Kemper apparently was known as the co-ed killer or the co-ed butcher, but to my knowledge, none of these folks had a pit that I'm aware of. I know Ted Bundy didn't. I know Ed Gein didn't, and then I know that Edmund Kemper didn't. Right. So I I don't know where they got the the pit from. No clue. Well. This is kind of a letdown. This is supposed to be a very well thought out and researched podcast, and it's it's fucking failing. Are you blaming that on me? No, <laughs> I, I should have known who those those two people were too. That's all good. I'm literally sitting here in a wife beater listening to you guys talk about I mean, serial killers. So, hey, you know what? That's one of the reasons why uh, I brought her on is because serial killers. It's her wheelhouse. And like I've yeah. said at the beginning, that like if I come up missing, that she's the first person that you need to uh, question because she may have had something to do with it. Ridiculous. <laughs> I may not do another podcast after tonight. I mean, I mean, you you. It's almost like you're trying to push her to murder you. I love you, babe. <laughs> love you too. Anthony Hopkins is only on the screen for 24 minutes and 52 seconds of the film's 118-minute runtime. That's crazy. And he got Best Actor for that. Well, uh, his impact on the movie is so good. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. I know that was a big uh, question, and, like, I don't know, they really skirt the rules on, like, who gets nominated for what, but 
Yeah, I mean, he's not on there that long, but like he leaves such a lasting impression that, I mean, you have to give him a Best Actor nomination. Right. You almost forget that he's not on there that long. Like, if you hadn't said that, I wouldn't mm. even have thought about it. Right. Well, like, when I was researching this last night, like, it kind of dawned on me, like, man, he's really not in this as much as you would think. And then there's people that actually time how long a, a certain actor is on screen. And I just found this website, and it said he was on there for that long. I wish I had that kind of time. I would have thought he was on there for at least half of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he shows up very early in the movie, then, like, he just shows up sporadically after that. Right, right. And then the final fact that Orion Pictures, the studio that produced the film, declared bankruptcy less than two months before the film's Academy Awards sweep. Really? Are they still around? No, Orion Pictures is done. So they were done after this movie? Uh, they still made some stuff, like some movies, but they did like a real shitty, uh, make, uh, they, I don't know. You guys probably don't remember the show, but there was an old police show called car 54. Where are you? I have no they, idea. They what made that a, is. a movie out of that and they did some like low budget stuff. But yeah, after this, they pretty much were like done as like a, hmm. I, I did not know that. Yeah. They put out, uh, they did RoboCop. They actually won the Oscar for Best Picture the year before. They produced Dances with Wolves. That's crazy that they filed bankruptcy. Yeah, and actually when I was, uh, I was reading, um, Rolling Stone had an oral history about this uh, Silence of the Lambs, and they actually were going to put the movie out in December, but they didn't want to try to compete with themselves because Dances with Wolves was getting all this Oscar buzz. So they waited till February to put Silence of the Lambs out. And I guess they needed, like, cash really bad. So they uh, just, like, well, we'll try to get as much cash as we can because they figured this was going to be a hit. Mm-hmm. So they just dumped it into February. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember them being big players in the movies. Yeah, they did, Ro- like, RoboCop. Like, that was a big hit. Dances with Wolves was a big hit. I mean, they didn't have, like, hit after. They were not, like, Warner Brothers, but, I mean... The fact that that shows you how poorly people can run a studio. Yeah, no kidding. Having hits like a movie like this and then you file bankruptcy right before you go to the Oscars, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, we'll s- I, have, I, I have a couple facts. I actually did some research this oh, time. Oh, well, thank you. You didn't do <laughs> shit look, the last time. Look at I you. Know, right? Look at you. And uh, I mean, it's not just Thor on my whiteboard this time. I actually have... Uh, some stuff written down on here. Yeah, for those of you that didn't listen to uh, the Role Models podcast, which by the numbers, like, nobody did. I I, I listened to that episode. Uh, but Lucas, uh, we can see each other now. We've mastered the art of video chat. And Lucas has a gigantic whiteboard behind him. And he's got, like, all these, like, pictures of different characters in the movie and, like, these strings. He's got what looks to be, like, case files and he's got some stuff, some facts written down. Go ahead with oh, your man. facts, dude. That's a, that's really elaborate shit that I don't have up there, but I'm going to do that next time. <laughs> uh, um, so uh, Siskel of Siskel and Ebert mm-hmm. hated this movie. Absolutely hated it. He said uh, it's a star-studded freak show, hmm. and uh, it was a case of much ado about nothing. So he hated this movie. Uh, what did Roger Ebert think of it? He loved it. Of course he Two did. thumbs up. See, that's why I don't... Because th- there's a, a show I listen to. They talk about like Rod, what Roger Ebert thought of it. 
And it's like, you know what? I'd rather use Rotten Tomatoes because it's more of a culmination of what a bunch of different people thought about it versus yeah. like, although those two were the preeminent movie critics of our time, but I figured um, Roger Ebert would have hated it and Siskel would have loved it. See, I kind of, I kind of think the term of star studded freak show is actually like a compliment. I mean, the movie is a freak show. I mean, let's be honest. Lecter is a freak. I mean, he's not normal by any definition of the word. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a guy that throws I mean, cum at the, the main star of the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was meaning it more disparagingly towards the actors, which is kind of a dick thing to say. Right, yeah. right, right, right. But, I mean, I, I, I kind of like that phrase. I mean, I know that he didn't mean it with good intentions by anything, but I, I like the, the phrase. I mean... When we you and I worked together, Lucas, we should have called our department a star-studded freak show. We should have. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I was torpedoing the whole thing. Well, I really fucked everybody in the ass. <laughs> well, maybe we'll just uh, we'll put this uh, we'll just call this episode a star-studded freak show. What do you think? I mean, sure. I I didn't. You do hold the championship belt for most uh, I didn't listeners have... by uh, for a guest. Oh, oh, okay. Well, all right. Very true. Um, what else you got? My, sec- my second fact is it kind of goes with the uh, the quotes that we, you know, we decide are the best ones. Mm-hmm. So Lecter never said "Hello, Clarice." He never said that in the movie. He said "Good evening, Clarice." Um, I'm not really sure how that came about. Where everybody, you know, as their quote would say that because mm-hmm. you know whenever you talk about this movie, everybody's like "Hello, Clarice." Right. We've even done that. Right, and it's. It, for whatever reason, that's not true, and we all just picked it up on that. Well, just like, that. you know, like anything, you know, like a tall tale or whatever, just like somebody kind of turns it into something, and then, like, it just gains momentum, and then it just becomes, like, accepted. That's what was said. It happens all the time with movie quotes. I can't think of one off the top of my head because we're recording this kind of late, but I'm sure I could if I done a little research, which we've all found out I've shit the bed tonight on. I, well, I all I had was two facts, so it's not like I really went out of my way and was sweating uh, real hard doing research. Well, it's a start. I mean, you've got more than what I did, Lucas. I don't have any facts. <laughs> you had facts about serial killers. I guess, yeah. Cooler. I mean, I'm I, I'm even a little foggy on some of that tonight. So, <laughs> hey, we're not we're not perfect, folks. We're still amateurs at this. Hey, I never said I was a professional, so just throwing that out there. <laughs> Lucas and I think that we are. Oh, well, hey, that's okay. We look pretty professional right now. Fake it till you make it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we still haven't come up with a name for this category yet. Maybe we'll, uh, you know, come up with like a, a name eventually through like text. We did. Uh, we created a new category for this episode. We'll get into that in a bit, but. Uh, the best scene of the movie. And uh, we generally will nominate between four and six. Um, I've got five with an honorable mention. Feel free to throw in if, you know, I don't name any off. Maybe I missed something. But throw it out there if you uh, don't like my choices. Okay. Um, I have the first meeting between Clarice and Hannibal. I have the put the lotion in the basket scene. Uh, Lecter's meeting with Senator Martin at the airport. Um, I combined two scenes together. I did uh, 
Lecter and Clarice meeting at, which I didn't know until last night that that's a courthouse, but the jail inside the courthouse. I thought it was just like a art museum. That's I did too. Like. I thought it, it looks like an art museum. <laughs> I've, I've thought this was an art museum for years until I started researching for this episode. Um, but I combined that with his escape, and then uh, the showdown between Clarice and James Gum at uh, his house. And then, as an honorable mention, I put the phone call that Hannibal makes to Clarice at the end. Um, one one I would like to add to that is the uh, the really tense scene where the FBI thinks they know where he is, and uh, it's actually Clarice, you know, ringing the bell at his place, and they combine the two scenes together, and mm-hmm. it makes it really tense. Yeah. Do you have anything? I I wouldn't add anything to that. I really like the um, the oh crap. What's the horses song? Goodbye the, horses. Goodbye horses. I actually really like that scene because it's so whimsical yet freaky at the same time odd fuck me right <laughs> and then of course the you know it puts the lotion in the basket or it gets the holes again and i mean that's just kind of like she's oh, crap what's the daughter's name Catherine. Catherine. she's down there freaking out all dirty and then i think the other thing that really like gets me about that saying he has a dog like, you know, most serial killers grew up and they ab- abused animals or whatnot growing up, but yet he has this dog that's very well taken care of that you can tell he loves, and he does this to people. <laughs> that just kind of trips me out. Now, so I have a question. Uh, since serial killers are your wheelhouse, now that's not a normal thing that serial killers, like at least the more infamous ones, don't really are not pet owners. Man, the ones that I can think of... Because I've always wondered that hmm. after you brought it up last night. I just and not not only did he have the dog as a pet, he had the moths as pets too. Oh, oh yeah. that's right, the death head moths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. There are none that I'm personally aware of that had pets. Okay, I just didn't know if that so, was like a thing where they they normally didn't or. Yeah, there there's. I mean, you know, like I said, most psychologist that would analyze like triggers for potential like somebody who could potentially become a serial killer or murder whatnot growing up a lot of them have either childhood trauma or they they abuse animals they torture animals or they do whatever and that just totally shocked me that he had a dog that he loved and had a, a name like precious and, you know, it, you could tell in that movie that he loved that dog. So that just, that tripped me out. Like, the, I think that's one of the reasons why the, the lotion scene and, and that whole thing just kind of stuck out to me more than anything. Hmm. So your, uh, your favorite scene is the put the lotion in the basket scene? I think so, yeah. yeah. With a combination of the the dancing dancing horses god i can't uh, it's good goodbye horses goodbye horses with that with him dancing around to that song yeah the the combination of the see, two see i have it right here in my notes oh, that you're cuz you're, cuz you're sitting right next to me you can read these at any time oh. feel free stop <laughs> uh what about um, you lucas i think uh my favorite scene in the movie is when he's in the courthouse and clarice comes to visit him mm-hmm. because you you get the story of 
the screaming lambs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he asks her if she finds him, if she finds the killer, if that'll, if that'll, if she thinks the screaming lambs will stop. Um, I think that whole scene is just, it's really tense. And I think it really helps her in a way to, to help find Buffalo Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I think for me, um, I, sometimes I, when I judge these, it's not always like what I think's the best acted scene. I always look at these with the lens. Like if I'm flipping through the channels and I see this on TV, like would I stop and watch this? And for me, even though it's, it fucked me up as a kid for a few nights, the like the whole sequence where he um Pembry and what was the other cop's name the two cops that like he when he asked for his second meal yeah he always says i'm ready yeah i'm ready sergeant and uh this that whole sequence like just how calmly he just beats the shit out of that cop with that baton and like they foreshadow that too, like uh, earlier in the movie when he escaped, his heartbeat never, or his heart rate never got above like eighty. Eighty-five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like just how calm he was, and then he's able to rip the guy's face off and then pretend like he, you know, almost played dead. Right. Well, then he had the one guy. He pretty much disemboweled him and had him like hanging up like he was like a butterfly or something with his arms all outstretched. That was. Like, how did he do that so quickly? <laughs> yeah, like, I, for me, it's that, although I would say very close behind them is the first meeting between the two because you kind of get, like, Hopkins, to me, puts on an acting clinic in this, which blows my mind that he wasn't really a big star before this movie. And then the, uh, the scene with Clarice at James Gum's house where he's, like, looking at her through the night vision goggles. Mm. Oh man, that's creepy as fuck, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and like, like somebody in the dark with night. I don't understand why like nobody else is like used night vision goggles as like um like equipment to kill people. Like this is the first and only time I've seen that. I mean, I've never seen that either, other than this movie. Yeah, I mean the only other time I really, the only two scenes I can remember with night vision goggles off the top of my head are the last thirty minutes of Zero Dark Thirty and then Step Brothers, and that's it. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen Zero Dark Thirty. It's a very good movie. Very good. Uh, Catherine Bigelow, I think it's her follow-up after The Hurt Locker. It's about the uh, the hunt for Bin Laden. Oh, you know what? I did see that. That is a good movie. Yeah, that's good. that is really good. And then it's the bonding uh, tool between John C. Riley and Will Ferrell and Step Brothers. <laughs> the exact opposite of what uh, James Gum was going for. Right. All right, so... I think it's the uh, the Hannibal Lecter escape the courthouse sequence. Lucas, are you kind of in that it, same general area? Yeah, and I uh, mean, it, the courthouse sequence altogether, really. Yeah, and then Jen, you were more in the puts the lotion in the basket. Oh, absolutely. Okay, all right. Well, all great scenes because I nominated them. <laughs> well, aren't you just uh, humble tonight? You know what? I would imagine that like maybe maybe I just need to turn it up a little bit. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, our next category is the uh, King Kong ain't got shit on me. Do you know what movie that's from? I have no idea. Uh, Lucas and I have a very strong admiration for Denzel Washington. He is probably in my top five favorite actors of all time. Great actor. Um, this is from Training Day. <laughs> 
Haven't seen her. Well. I know. I know, I know. There's a lot of movies I have. seen. You've never seen, seen Training Day? I have not. I think we got plans this weekend. No. I got plans to be outside this weekend because the weather's going to be nice. Well, that's we're not going to be outside at like 10 o'clock at night. No, that's true. I'll be asleep at 10 o'clock at night. We're so old. I know. It's All right. okay, though. This kind of works the same as the, the best scene in the movie. I give a few nominees. Feel free to throw in yours if uh, there's one that I missed. Okay. Um, I'm going to try to do some impressions. Maybe, yes. maybe this will spike viewership, my impressions. I've been told I'm fair to mediocre to a, a slight above average on these. Okay. All right. <sighs> really? Are you trying to wake our children up from bed? <laughs> well, I have to get the proper uh, my voice. My goodness. All right. First one. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. That's right. Oh, was it that? Yeah, he does like that. Okay. <laughs> it's like a combination of the we, two. Yeah. Well, shit, we should have just synced them up and did it together. Okay. Second one. It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does what it's told. It puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. Now it places the lotion in the basket. It places the lotion in the basket. Put the fucking lotion in the basket. (laughs) Put the fucking lotion in the basket. Hey, Senator. Nice suit. Um, uh, This is an underrated one from uh, Lucas and I. It's from Catherine Martin. Don't leave me here, you fucking bitch. <laughs> Dude, like, so it's such a tense movie, and you're like, man, this is crazy. <laughs> and she's just down in the hole, like, don't you leave me here, you fucking bitch. And then the last one is uh, the end. <clears throat> I think it's the last line of the movie. He says, I'm having an old friend for dinner. Yep, and then he uh, then he walks and uh, he's getting ready to have a friend for dinner. Where, where were they at? Like a... That is Haiti. Haiti. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, do either one of you have anything you want to nominate? Um, there's so there's uh, quid pro quo, yes or no. So mm. he yeah, he tells her that she gets to ask a question, he gets to ask a personal question. And uh, I, this part, this this just cracked me up, so I had to put it in there. Um, when Clarice actually finds Buffalo Bill. He opens the door and she's, uh, you know, asking him a few questions. And she asked him if, if he had seen uh, the first young lady on the news or heard anything about it. He's like, "Oh wait, was uh, was she a great big fat person?" <laughs> I don't know why that cracked me up. I was like, "Damn, that's really fucked up." It probably has something to do with his voice. He just has a very deep, distinct voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for best line, I mean. I think Lucas and I kind of said our favorites, but I think it really has to be the uh, the fava beans and an ice Chianti or the puts the lotion on its skin. I mean, those things have been parodied so many times since mm-hmm. 1991. I mean, even the I'm having an old friend for dinner, I've heard people use before too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll probably say uh, the fava beans and an ice Chianti just because it's been used so much. Uh, what do you think, Jen? Oh, that's definitely my favorite. <laughs> So fucked up. I was gonna say lotion. 
Yeah, I mean, I've it, used that before just to, as a joke. Yeah, well, I mean, at this point, you you almost ha- have to use parts of the lines from this movie as a joke. I mean, right. I think everybody's done it at least once. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think uh, this side of the room wins on this one. I mean, just because that's such an iconic line. Mm, for sure. All right, drop the gavel. <laughs> Decision has been made. All right. I'm kind of excited for this category. We may keep this on a permanent basis, or maybe this is the only time we get it. I don't know. But uh, during our text thread the other day, uh, we were talking, and uh, we created the uh, the Lou Brown Give em the Heater Award for the performer bringing the most fire. And for those of you that have listened to us before, Lou Brown's the manager from Major League. Why are you looking at me? Well, you said you didn't know who Lou Brown was earlier. Well, I forgot. Man. Tisk, tisk. It's been a long week. I wasn't automatically thinking, who in the hell is Lou Brown when you said Lou Brown? I'm like, who's Lou Brown? I didn't know. Um, I think there's an obvious winner here, but I'm just going to, the only other person in contention is probably Anthony Heald is Dr. Chilton. He's such a fucking slime ball that he makes you want to root for the villain. At the end, yeah, you know what I noticed about this movie? Like, throughout this whole thing, it's just super hardcore sexist. Like, the whole time she's at, um, uh, she's training to be the FBI agent, everybody's staring at her ass as she's running by, and like, you know, uh, what's what's the doctor's name at the asylum? Dr. Chilton. Chilton. Mm-hmm. He's like hitting on her, you know. He's, he's telling her that Baltimore is a great city and like to take her. And then uh, when she goes to find out what the uh, the moth was in uh, the lady's throat, that real weird doctor guy that loves moths. Mm-hmm. Oh, the one with the googly eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's hitting on her. She. Are you hitting on me? Yeah, and he's yes, a I creep. Am. He's a almost so, like a bigger creep than Doctor Chilton. Like, that movie is extremely sexist. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I don't know if it you'd say uh, sexist, but, I mean, they're, like when you touch on that, though, there seems to be kind of a, a weird dynamic between Clarice and Crawford and then Clarice and Hannibal, too. Right. Because uh, it seems like Clarice sometimes kind of looks at Crawford as, like, a fatherly figure. Right. Since her dad's gone. And then, like, I never noticed this until I watched it last night, but when... Uh, Clarice hands Lecter, or Lecter hands Clarice the case files. Their fingers kind of rub together in like a very affectionate way. Mm-hmm. You never noticed that? I never really paid attention to it till now. Hmm. Yeah, and he said uh, they're going to think we're lovers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, because visit, she visits him so much. Yep. Um, however, the Lou Brown Award has to go, has to, go to Ted Levine as Buffalo Bill. Oh yeah, he. I mean, when he's on, there's so many, there's so many great actors in this movie. It's really hard to, because everybody's on their A game in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but, but I have a question for you, Russ. What the hell else is Jodie Foster in? Uh, she's, she's a two-time Contact, Academy, right? Huh? She was in Contact, right? She's in her? Contact, a very shitty sci-fi movie. Uh, she was in. Uh, Inside Man, which is a really good Denzel Washington movie. She's in that? Yeah. 
It's been a while since I've seen I actually it. thought about doing that one instead of this one at one point, but we'll save that for later down the road. She's in Panic Room. Panic Room. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's in that. She's in uh, The Accused, which was the first movie she won an Oscar for. <clears throat> um, what was that movie? Uh, Summersby has her and Richard Gere. It's like an old Civil War. Dude, that movie's fucking depressing. I've never seen it. Summersby? I haven't seen that either. Uh, my sister and my mom watched the shit out of that movie, and it is fucking depressing. Mm-hmm. I will not watch that movie anymore. Yeah, I don't think I'll be watching that either, based on what you're saying. <laughs> uh, she was also in Flight Plan. I don't know that one. Uh, takes It's like one of those uh, horror movies on a plane type deal. Oh. Not Snakes on a Plane? No, it's not Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> I would actually be, like, that would have made that movie a million times better. Snakes on a Plane with Jodie Foster. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know what? Don't don't mess a good formula. I mean, like, Coke hasn't really touched theirs in a long time. Like, Sam Jackson and Snakes on a Plane, that's a, f- a winning formula. Right, right, right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, I think Ted Levine has to get the uh, Lou Brown Award. I mean, he's Agreed. Uh, he's taught me a very valuable lesson, too. That if I see a man with a broken arm at night trying to move a love seat into a van just to let him do it on his own. Right. Just stay away. If I can ever pass anything down to my kids, that'll be the one lesson. Like, do not, I repeat, do not help a wounded man move a love seat into a van at night. Well, not only is it a van, isn't it like one of those old, like, creepy white vans that they always no, tell you to stay away from? It's a, it's a blue van. Oh, well, still. But, uh, I mean, besides that, too, just, like, he's just, every scene he's in, he's throwing 100 miles an hour in this. Right. No, I would agree with that. And, I mean, he, I didn't think anybody could steal this movie from Anthony Hopkins, but he fucking comes close. I mean, like... Mm-hmm. Jodie Foster's good in this, but like I can also see somebody else playing Clarice. Like mm-hmm. I really could see Michelle Pfeiffer doing it, but like Ted Levine is like on almost on par with Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, he's he's badass in it for sure. So we're in agreement. Agreement. The Lou Brown Award winner is going to be Ted Levine. Yeah, Agreed. I would agree. Harumph. <laughs> Maybe we'll bring that on as a full time award. What do you think? That sounds good to me. All right, our final category is uh, who owns the movie. It's basically uh, whoever was involved in this movie, whose contribution was the biggest. Uh, I, you have any nominees? I have one, but I mean, feel free to throw in some nominees. Jen, who would you nominate? I mean, I would obviously pick Anthony Hopkins. I mean, he. I mean, he's just badass in it. I, I don't really know what what else is. I mean, like, uh, Jodie Foster's good in it. Of course, Ted Levine's good in it. But even though he's in it for, what was it, 26-odd minutes or 25-odd minutes or whatnot, yeah. it, the minutes that he is in that, he just totally steals the show. I mean, his acting is just phenomenal in it. Uh, Lucas, do you have any other uh, nominees or... No, nah, there's really there's really nobody else to nominate. It's Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, I thought uh, a minute about uh, Jonathan Demme. I mean, he's a really good, and like, he follows us up with Philadelphia, but I'd say Anthony Hopkins, too. I mean, if you think about it, like, I don't know if you guys are real familiar with Anthony Hopkins pre-Silence of the Lambs, but 
he wasn't exactly lighting the screen up. Like he was in uh, the Elephant Man, mm-hmm. and then he was in a movie called The Bounty with Mel Gibson. Those are pretty much like the two biggest roles he had going into this, and then like he basically becomes like he goes from that to after Silence of the Lambs. He's the guy like, hey, we're making this prestigious Oscar film. We need to get. Anthony Hopkins to do it or else it's going to be down a level. And he's milked that since 91. Not so much now. Not so much now. He's basically become Michael Caine where he does anything for a paycheck. But he had a good stretch for about 20 years or so where he was, you know, we need some prestige, so let's get Anthony Hopkins. I think he's been nominated for an Oscar like three or four times now since Silence of the Lambs. Well, I mean, he's a good actor. So I, I really think this is the first time since we started doing the categories that we have a unanimous who owns the movie winner. Woohoo! I have a shit memory, so I'm going to defer to you. <laughs> you know I do too. We've what this will be number fifteen or six. That's fine. I don't even know how many of these we've done. But uh, I don't know. I just enjoy doing it. So I just you're uh, like, hey, we're going to record now, and I'm like, fuck yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I think this is the first time since we've done the categories <laughs> that, like, this is a unanimous winner. Well done, gang. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, Lucas, have we decided what we're going to do yet for the next one? Uh, yes. Uh, Escape from New York. Yeah. I just introduced uh, Jen to that for the first time a few weeks ago. No, I've seen that before. You have? Yeah, a couple years ago. Snake but it's been Plissken. a while. We watched Escape from New York and I think Escape from L.A. as well. No, uh, Escape from L.A. has never been viewed in this household. Are you sure? <laughs> no, I've never watched it since I've seen it in movie theaters. Oh, well. You know, the, I saw that before I saw Escape from New York. I was a kid and uh, we went to the drive-in here in town. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what played before that. It might have been... Yeah, no, I, I don't remember what it was, but I remember seeing him on that fucking surfboard riding that giant tidal wave. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this movie fucking sucks. I'm going to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, Escape from New York. Uh, we haven't heard back from this person, but I think we're going to have a special guest. Um, we have a poll question up, too. Uh, I think by the time this goes to air... I think the poll will be over, but we're uh, asking you guys to vote on the April 12th episode. It's a really tight race between uh, Jen's pick of Office Space yes. and my selection of Inglorious Bastards. So if you want to hear us do one of those, head on over to Facebook and cast your vote. I still got it up. Probably run it for like another week or so. Pick Office Space. <laughs> or pick Bastards or pick a RoboCop or Dread. Also, a couple of really good films, too. So, Yeah, I love Dread. And uh, producer Adam picked RoboCop, which I actually would be okay with doing, too. Haven't seen her. <laughs> I know. I know. All right, gang. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, and uh, like I said, check us out on our socials. Uh, head on over to Facebook. Cast your vote on the, the fan poll. And until next time, we will talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody. Bye. Deuces.